0: Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Chandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, hey, welcome back. I'm Chris Chandro, the pastor at Compass. As always, I just am thrilled to have you with me today. Now, this may come as a surprise to you, but not everyone celebrates Christmas in the same way. Different cultures, even different family cultures, your neighbors even, they may have different traditions when it comes to the holiday. (laughs) For example, in Japan, they've only really celebrated Christmas for the last several decades, and a lot of families over there will order KFC for Christmas dinner. That is the tradition. Kentucky Fried Chicken. Or how about this? In Slovakia, uh, people traditionally eat carp for Christmas dinner, but rather than picking it up from the supermarket, people who are very traditional will let the fish live in their bathtub for a couple days before they prepare and eat it, because they believe the scales bring good luck and good fortune for the coming year. So, a fish in your bathtub, Christmas tradition. Write it down. Uh, I think my favorite cultural Christmas tradition comes from the area of Austria and Bavaria, because over there, while St. Nicholas is bringing gifts to good kids, Krampus, the half man, half goat, comes around to drag the bad kids away. And in some places, people dress up as Krampus for Krampuslauf, or the Krampus run, where they parade through the streets to scare kids into line. Now, whether you eat crab legs on Christmas Eve, like my family does, uh, open up all your presents at midnight, or even wear a Krampus costume, your tradition says something about you. And when we understand your culture, your tradition, and your story, it allows us to understand you better. The Christmas story of Jesus' birth is no different. On the surface, you know, it's the same story we tell every year. But when we understand the culture and traditions of the people involved, it not only helps us to understand them better, but it allows us to better understand the God who orchestrated the whole entire thing. So today I want to look at a section of the Christmas story and take a deeper look at the characters involved, their culture and their traditions, as well as what motivated them so that we can then see what we can learn about the kingdom of God in our lives and we're going to start in Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 it says jesus was born in bethlehem in judea during the reign of king herod about that time some wise men from eastern lands arrived in jerusalem asking where's the newborn king of the jews we saw his star as it rose and we've come to worship him now We've all seen the nativity scene, you know, that with the wise men presenting gifts to the baby Jesus at the manger. You know, I think that wise men, though, is probably a, a nice way to describe them. But the truth is, is that that's a sanitized title that's been used by Christians for generations to just describe some guys that were much more problematic than we realize. What we know as wise men were described in the original Greek as magi, which is a very specific term. These guys weren't kings or foreign dignitaries. They were wizards. They were pagan magicians from Persia whose specialty was interpreting dreams and astrology or reading the stars for signs and omens. I mean, these guys were more palm readers than prophets. And while astrology was frowned on by Judaism as a whole, Uh, Magi often read big astrological events as signs. So like when a new star appeared in the sky, they saw it as a sign that a new king had been born in Israel. And they assumed that this king would be found at the royal palace in Jerusalem. So they did what nations do when a new ruler is installed, and they came to pay tribute. But this is an important thing I want you to see. The Magi didn't come to find Jesus because they spent so much time searching out the Jewish scriptures to understand the prophecies there about the Messiah. These were pagan magicians who found Jesus through astrology. The story continues in verse three. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. This is an understatement. Herod ruled in Jerusalem, and he was known as the King of the Jews in spite of the fact that Herod himself wasn't even Jewish. I mean, he came to power using a combination of of violence and political maneuvering so that he could be installed by Rome as a puppet king over the conquered territory of Israel. Now, imagine that you maneuvered your way into being the king of Israel by sucking up to Rome and by violently oppressing any Jewish descent— Now imagine that an official delegation arrives from Persia asking where the newborn king of the Jews is. A king who, unlike Herod, unlike you, was actually born Jewish. A king who the Jewish scriptures prophesied about. This would be a problem if you were Herod. Someone with a claim to the throne of Israel could not only spark a rebellion against Rome, but it could cost Herod his power and his position. That, as the story says, disturbed him. And the people in Jerusalem were also disturbed because they knew what rumors of a new Jewish king meant. It meant that Herod, a violent tyrant, was going to be easily provoked. Story continues in verse 4. Herod called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law, and he asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. So now, in our story, enter the priests and scribes, the leading religious elite in Jerusalem. Herod knows this, if he is going to deal with this rival king, that he has to find him first. So he goes to the experts in Jewish scripture to find where their prophecies say the Messiah will be born. And without hesitation, these Jewish religious leaders quote the prophet Micah and tell Herod Bethlehem. The story continues in verse 7. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. And then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Herod knew that he had to deal with this rival king. The Magi came into Jerusalem in a caravan. People knew what was going on. So Herod asked the Magi to find this child and report back to him so that he could worship him too. But unlike the Magi, we know better. Herod didn't want to worship Jesus. He wanted to kill him. Story continues in verse nine. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So the magi, the wise men, they visit Jesus. They present their gifts, gifts that were fit for a king. And this is where our familiar story comes to a close. But understanding the culture, traditions, and motivations of the characters involved, it shows us some important things. Because the story of Jesus' birth is the story of two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of men. And I want to share a few observations about these two kingdoms from this narrow section of the Christmas story. So just a couple thoughts I had. First thought is this, human power structures tend to reject Jesus. Herod, the political ruler of Israel, he wanted Jesus dead because it was the only way to retain his power. Only one of them could rule. And in the same way, only one power structure can rule in our lives. And the systems and structures of power in this world are often contrary to the way of Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that followers of Jesus can't be involved in politics, but I am saying that the levers of power in the world are typically contradictory to the power of God. See, Jesus didn't come as a triumphant king, but as a dependent baby. His birth wasn't a show of strength, but a display of submission. Herod was willing to do whatever it took to maintain what he thought was right, his power, even murdering a child, because human structures of power depend on strength, dominance, and force. But Jesus' power is the opposite. Jesus' power is made perfect when we embrace weakness, and the human quest for political, economic, or military power is not compatible with the way of Jesus. And his birth highlights that. That's first thing. The second thing is that religious people miss Jesus all the time. The Jewish religious leaders, they were well, of, well aware of why the Magi were in Jerusalem. But even though their knowledge of Scripture told them where the Messiah was going to be born, they didn't join the Magi in going to look for him. In fact, they failed to act on their most critical biblical knowledge. The religious elite completely missed what God was doing through Jesus, even though they were the ones who had been entrusted with the Scriptures and equipped to see Him best. Just because you have the greatest access to God doesn't mean you aren't missing what He's doing. In fact, the sin of taking Jesus for granted and missing what He's really doing is often a sin that characterizes those who loudly claim to be God's servants. Just like the priests and scribes in the Christmas story, church people today can miss Jesus because they're blinded by the structures of their own religion and religious power. And then finally, most importantly, last point is that Jesus treasures outsiders. Who actually worship Jesus in this story? A bunch of pagan astrologers while the religious insiders were claiming the authority of god's word these outsiders were the ones who actually found jesus and they didn't go to bethlehem because they knew the jewish scriptures or were religious in judaism they went because a star appeared their astrology led them there and it's not because god endorses astrology but because he treasures outsiders. He values them so much that he spoke to the Magi in their own spiritual language to lead them to Jesus. Isn't it interesting that when we read this, the story almost forces us to identify with the pagan Magi rather than the religious elite or those in political power. From start to finish, this whole story challenges our assumptions about power, about prejudice, and about who has access to God. Because for the most special event in history, God chose to reveal himself in the place where pagans were looking. It should come as no surprise that the last story we look at this year sums up so much of what we've been exploring as a church over the last 12 months. But the question for you is, how is this going to affect you? Have you embraced the world's definition of power and strength, political, economic, patriarchal? If so, maybe your response to Christmas should be to stop trying to rule your own kingdom and allow Jesus to take the throne. Maybe you need to reevaluate how the kingdom of God is advanced by seeing how Jesus advanced it not through strength, but in love, tolerance, and submission. Or maybe your embrace of religion has blinded you to what Jesus is actually doing in the world and the unexpected people he might be doing it through. Your religious pride has actually kept you from fully engaging with his kingdom. And if that's you, perhaps your response to Christmas should be to embrace a posture of humility Understanding that your insider status doesn't give you more rights or privileges, it just gives you a greater responsibility to love other people. And finally, maybe you are the outsider, the pagan mystic, the magi astrologer, the wise man. If that's you, do what they did and keep seeking Jesus. Because in the same way that God used the astrology of the magi to lead them to Jesus, God can speak your language. He will always lead a heart that is seeking the truth to him. And whether you felt rejected by religion, by the church, or just by religious people, please know that the first people God revealed Jesus to were outsiders, just like you. So may God bless us and lead us into his love and in his life this Christmas. And may you find Jesus everywhere you look for him this season. Thank you for joining me. Have a Merry Christmas, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.